It's very good to be here this morning. I'm very thankful for the opportunity I have to speak to you this morning and share a portion of what I've studied. I'd like to thank Jacob for his prayer on my behalf. It's my prayer too as well that the things that I have to say this morning will be beneficial to us as Christians. Help us think about being a Christian and help us to be better Christians. I'm going to start with a question this morning. Have you ever missed out on an opportunity? Not a little opportunity, a big opportunity. Something really big, something really important, and you missed out on it. 16720 Yesterday when I googled the price of Bitcoin, that's what it was worth yesterday. Now we can argue about what the value of that is or if it's real or whatever. But that's, that's the value put on that yesterday. But in February of 2011, it was worth about a dollar a piece. And I knew a guy named Adam. And he bought a hundred. He spent a hundred dollars and he bought a hundred coins. And he told me about it. He told me and another friend that worked with him about it. And we laughed at it. And we told him it was worthless, that he wasted his money, that he should have made better choices. And today, those are all worth about 16000 apiece. There was a missed opportunity. But the opportunity I'm talking about today is not financial. It's not about money, not about gain here on earth. It's about sharing Jesus with people. And I'm sad to stand here before you today and tell you that I missed an opportunity with Adam because I didn't share the gospel with him. I didn't. I worked with him for two years and we never discussed church. You know, we all have a circle of influence. We all have people around us, people that we know. And Adam's a real guy. And I'd like to tell you that we were just acquaintances and I really didn't know him all that well. But Adam talked to me about his finances. He shared with me what he was spending his money on. And I should have shared with him what's the most important thing, what should have been the most important information I had to share with him. And I didn't. And I regret that. You know, Adam's soul has value. The world wants to teach it, tell us today that people have no value. A baby's life has no value. An old person's life has no value. That's not true. Man cannot put a value on man. And I'm ashamed to say that I wasn't concerned enough about Adam to share with him Jesus. Matthew 26 and verse Matthew 16 and verse 26 reads, "For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul?" 
in exchange. All too often we devalue our souls in exchange for something temporary. For temporary so-called pleasure here on earth. God created us in the like image of Him. And He created us to be profitable and to worship Him. And not to serve our own pleasures. All too often we get caught up in me, I, what do I want, I'm going to have this, I'm going to do this. And we forget. Philippians 2 and 15 reads, That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We're called to be lights, to stand out, to make a path through the dark, to show the way. Are you standing out in your circle of influence? Are you standing out in the world? Are you an influence for good? This brings us to the verse that I'd like to build my study around this morning. 1 Peter 3 and 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. As I said before, I haven't always been ready. I hadn't always been prepared as I should be. You know, we can talk about sports. We can talk about politics. We can talk about whatever's trending in the news. We can talk about our kids. We can talk about the schools. We can talk about whatever's important to us. Why do we struggle with hope? Why do we struggle with what should be the most important thing to us? That we have hope. Verse 15 tells us to be ready. So I ask you, do you have hope? Can you discuss your hope with somebody? Do you have the ability to simply tell someone why you have hope? If not, what's holding you back? I know what holds me back. Fear. Fear and then I make excuses. You know, all too often we let fear overwhelm us. We let our minds run wild with all sorts of scenarios. Well, if I do this, this is going to happen and then there, this is going to happen. And before you know it, you're well out of the realm of possibilities. We've just blowed it up and made it a big mess. Then we begin to make excuses to justify our lack of actions. It's pretty easy. Sometimes we get pretty good at it. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. You know, that's an excuse. I'm not well versed in the scriptures. That's something we can work on. We're not limited by that for the rest of our lives. We're only limited by that if we never choose to pick up a Bible and study. 
If we never choose to study with someone to gain more knowledge, if we never try to do better, we can fix our Bible knowledge. It's not in my comfort zone. I'm not comfortable. You know, all too often we make our convenience and our comfort a priority. Aren't you glad somebody took the time to share the gospel with you? Somebody took the time to get out of their comfort zone, to stop what they were doing, to share the good news of hope with you. I am. I wouldn't be here before you today if somebody didn't. I'm very grateful somebody got out of their comfort zone for me. It's a blessing. And we should not take it for granted. And we should not be stingy with it. We should share it with those that we know. Colossians 4 and verse 2 reads, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those that are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That God would open a door for the word. I think this points back to what we were talking about that light that we talked about earlier. That someone sees the hope within us. They see the difference in us. They see a change. Peter warns us. He encourages us to be prepared. That situation might come. Be ready. Make preparation now. Don't wait until the moment gets here. Be prepared now. Mark 16 and verse 15 reads, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Have you ever thought about how that command was possible to carry out? When I was first a Christian, I didn't really understand it. I struggled with it a little bit. Maybe I made excuses or apologies, whatever you want to call it. I don't have enough knowledge. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I mess this up? It's the evangelist's job. It's the elder's job. It's somebody else's job. Then it hit me one day. Acts 8 and verse 4 reads, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. The church was being persecuted there in Acts. They'd all come together. They'd been worshiping together. They'd, they were together. And then this persecution started. And they all left Jerusalem. And they went back to their homes. They went back to the countries where they come from. You know, we have examples in Acts where the apostles were publicly teaching where Philip was publicly teaching. But we also have this next verse here. 
Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. When they went back home, people noticed something different in their lives. They noticed that light, that hope they had, that they were changed, that they were different. And these regular, everyday Christians, when they were scattered, they preached the good news. They might have, some of them might have stood in a street corner. Some of them might have stood up in a synagogue. But they all also preached it in their homes. And they preached it at work. And they preached it on the roadside. And they preached it when people saw the difference in their lives. They preached the good news through their relationships. And they told everybody about their hope. It's an opportunity to share the most valuable thing, the most valuable news, the most valuable information we have on this planet. Nothing is more important. Nothing has more value. Romans 8 and verse 5 reads, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Those Christians that left Jerusalem, that went back home, they didn't go home to everything being rosy, everything just being great and fine. They took the troubles that they had, the troubles that they endured, the troubles that were to come. They were still there. But there was still something different about them. Instead of having a worldly mindset focused on the problems of this world, they had an eternal perspective. They had hope. So what's the difference between Acts 8 and today? Nothing. Our lights should shine bright in the world today as well. People around us should be able to see a difference in our lives. They should be able to see that we have hope. And most importantly, see that this world is not the most important thing in our lives. That we have a spiritual perspective. Notice the difference about us. So we're talking about relationships. And being prepared. You know, most likely when someone asks you a question, they're not a stranger. They're our family, our friends, our neighbors. We have a relationship with them. They have trust in us. They have confidence in us. Let's not waste that chance. Let's not waste that opportunity. You know, as I said before, we can talk about a topic that we care about for five minutes really easy. We can let the whole afternoon slip away from us if it's something near and dear to our hearts. Now, I'm not asking you to put together a 45-minute lesson with 20 different verses and a few slides. We're simply talking about having a conversation with someone. 
Someone you know. Someone you have a relationship with. Somebody you're comfortable with. About what should be the most important thing in your life. Let's not make it harder than it is. Where do I begin? I don't know how to do it. What if I say the wrong thing? It's our responsibility to share Jesus. To share that hope within us. It's not our responsibility to convert 100% of everybody we talk to. Don't make it too hard. Don't put restrictions on it. Share it. You've done your duty. I'm going to read the verse again. Peter, I'm sorry, we're going to go back to 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. Peter instructs us to be ready to give a defense, or more simply, to be able to give the reason of the hope that's in us. So what is the basis of that hope? Peter sums it up for us in the first chapter, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. A lively hope. A wonderful hope. A hope that reaches all the way to us here today. It's a blessing. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then, not is, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Paul tells us that if not for Jesus' resurrection, our faith is in vain. There's no hope. That's it. There's nothing else. But Jesus is risen. Jesus overcoming death is the reason for our hope. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. So let's look at the evidence of the resurrection. We're going to look at some eyewitnesses and their testimony. We're going to begin here with Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, and after that He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, he's seen by me, also as one born out of due time. 
There's over 500 witnesses right there. And he's talking to them, and he said, some of them are still alive. You can go back and talk to them and ask them. There's multiple, multiple witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Let's look at Luke's list. Beginning in Acts 1 and verse 1. The former account I made, O Thalopius, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostle whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jesus was with his disciples for over 40 days, working miracles. What about non-believers? John 7, beginning in verse 1, reads, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Let's skip down to verse 5. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Let's skip over to Acts 1 and verse 14. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In John's account, Jesus' own family struggled to believe who he was. We skip forward to after the resurrection, and we see his family was there. His brothers were there. They were changed. The resurrection changed them. What about Thomas? Poor old Thomas. John 20, beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Then the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. So he said unto them, Unless I see his hands... See in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. The others had seen Jesus, but Thomas needed more. And he got it. And notice his reaction. My Lord, my God. And Jesus tells him, Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Acts 9, beginning in verse 3, is about Saul. He's on his way to Damascus there. He's on the roadside. And it says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. 
it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Saul was a non-believer, to say the least. If you'll remember, he just held the clothes for the men that stoned Stephen. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was a very passionate denier of Christ. So much so, he was going to travel somewhere else to imprison them. And then something happened. We had his conversion. He was baptized. And in the same chapter, in verse 20, we read, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. He went from an enemy to dedicating his life to Christ. What changed? He come in contact with Jesus. Let's look at the disciples. In Acts 1, beginning in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. And then skip down to verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come unto you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You know, we can read about how these men, just a few weeks prior to this, forsook Jesus. During his trial, before his crucifixion, they all fled. Now they're changed. They have a changed attitude. What happened? They saw a man they knew die. And they knew he was risen from the dead. They knew he'd been resurrected. They weren't confused as to who he was. They knew. It affected them. It changed them. It changed their lives forever these men were convinced they gave up everything they became devoted followers and they made life changing actions not for earthly profit not for the betterment of themselves but for a spiritual reward 1 John 1 and 1 reads, 
That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and what our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The word was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and we declare unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen, and heard, and declared to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. John says that they were there from the beginning of Jesus' work. That they heard him with his own ears. That they seen him with their own eyes. They held him with their own hands. They saw him on the cross. They saw him die. They saw him wrapped in the grave and clothes. And then they saw him risen. And then they held him with their own hands again. Death had no power over Jesus. And John says, In these things we write to you that your joy may be full. We know, John's telling them, we know Jesus is not in the grave. And we want to share that with you. We want you to have the same hope we do. To have the same experiences we do. To share in the joy. And we need to have the same attitude. And to do that, we need to fulfill the admonishment that Peter gives us in 1 Peter 3. To be ready to give an answer of our hope. These men were changed men. Acts 5 and 29, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. In this chapter, the rulers at that time had gathered together the apostles and told them to stop teaching about Jesus. Verse 40 of this chapter says that they beat them and released them and said, you go back home and you quit talking about Jesus. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Peter denied Christ before his crucifixion for fear of persecution. And here, the disciples were really being persecuted. And they stood up and they said, we're going to make a choice, and it's for Christ. You do what you got to do. But we're going to obey God rather than man. They were changed. It changed them to their core. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 9, For I think that God has displayed us the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle unto the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are distinguished, but you are dishonored. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We, all, we have been made as the filth of the world and offscoring of all things until now. It was not in their worldly interest to preach Christ. And they didn't do it for worldly gain. But there was no going back for them. They had been transformed. Second Peter 
1, beginning in verse 16, reads, For we do not follow cunning devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, for were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in dark place. The day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. They were with Jesus, and they heard his teachings, and they lived among them. I'm going to mention again here the thread of light and how it shines in a dark place and how our hope is that light, how our hope sets us apart and how our hope should lead others to Christ. Our hope is, <clears throat> is a blessing that we should share. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrows as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring him, who's, him those who sleep in Jesus. We have a hope, a living hope, and we can be excited about it. We should be excited about it that we can be saved, that death no longer has any power over Jesus and his believers. John 14, beginning in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where you am, there I may go, may be also. And where I go, you know that, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except for through me. Our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus. There's no other way to be saved. Romans 6, beginning in verse 3. Or do you not know that as many as us are saved? I'm sorry. It's a little far away and a little small for me. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized unto Christ Jesus were baptized unto his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died unto sin once for all. But the life that he lives, 
he lives unto God. I love this passage here in Romans. When I first became a Christian, I read this passage a lot. It gave me a lot of comfort, and rightfully so. But it has a special place in my heart. It sums up the gospel altogether. It tells us why we need hope, why we're lost, and how we find it. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, our bat- baptism represents the Beth- death, burial, and resurrection. We deserve death because of our sins, but Christ paid the debt for us, dying on the cross. Sin no longer has authority over us. And we can come into contact with Jesus. We can rise to a newness of life and have a hope of a home in heaven with Him. It's a blessing. Don't take it for granted. This is the last verse I have to share with you this morning. It says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. It's truly powerful. There's a lot, a lot of power in these verses here. We can be free from our debt of sin. That is a great reason to have hope. That is a great reason to live a different life. That is a great reason to shine among those that are around us. Romans 6 is a great chapter to memorize to help you with your study with someone, to help you with your own faith, or at the very least, help you share with someone why you have hope. I would encourage you to read it and study it and memorize it. So can you share the hope that's within you? Are you ready to give an answer? God bless you if you are. And if you can't, we can help you. You're not stuck. This isn't a place that you'll always be in. You can grow. And there are many men here willing to help you with that. But I would encourage you to be able to answer this question, yes. Yes, I'm prepared. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I want to share the hope that's within me. Are you a Christian? Are you weak? Are you burdened down with the troubles of this world? You know, we all struggle. We all have difficulties. And we all need help. We're going to offer the invitation at this time. And if the church can help you, help you if you're weak or if you have troubles, or if you want to become a Christian, if you want to have that hope that we've talked about, and you want to have that joy in your life, Please come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.